Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We've got a special show for you this week. A special guest, former USC and NFL football player Thomas Williams. That's a really interesting story. He's going to talk about the team. He's going to talk about what he's doing right now. Really cool stuff from Thomas Williams. So we'll get to him in one second. Just want to let people know it's a very interactive podcast. We want to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can also do that. 641-715-3900, 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, and leave a voicemail right on the left side of the page from your device. Click on that side where it says leave a voicemail, and you can do it right from your phone. You can do it from your computer, from your tablet, whatever you want to do. Leave us a voicemail. We love to hear from you. All right, without further ado, I want to bring in our guest, uh, Thomas Williams. He played football at USC, played in the NFL, He's an author. He's a motivational speaker. Um, you can find him on his website, thomasrwilliams.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at T underscore Williams 56. Thomas Williams joining the podcast. What's up, Thomas? How you doing? Ryan, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime. It was so great to catch up with, uh, former players and, uh, you know, we've kind of followed you out through, you know, throughout your career and you've had a pretty amazing one for, for current USC fans to realize that you were, playing for a couple of national championships and four Rose Bowls. I mean, it's just, it's not the kind of numbers that they're used to seeing nowadays, but what, back when you were playing, it was kind of common. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was like one of the best roller coaster rides that anybody could ever possibly fathom. And uh, I was so lucky enough to be on it. And the funny thing about it is I hate roller coasters, but that was a fun one. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of, it wasn't a whole lot of uh, up and down when you were playing. It was just a lot of up, I guess you could say. Well, a lot, yeah, the a lot of positives. Yeah, the ups and downs came from probably my own personal uh, situation and circumstances. I mean, I get there in 2003, uh, was highly recruited out of Vacaville, and then I redshirt because of phenomenal players like Lofa Tatupu, Matt Grudegood. Then the next year, you think you're getting your shot, and here comes Keith Rivers. And then the next year, Brian Cushing, Ray Maluga, Kaluka Maava. I mean, obviously, the list goes on. And so I think that's what I was talking about as far as the roller coaster aspects and then throwing a couple of injuries, uh, while starting 14 games. And then for some strange apparent reason, I get drafted into the NFL. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was a fifth round pick if I was not, if I'm not mistaken there, but played for four different NFL teams too. And until an injury kind of ended your career there. Yeah. It was, uh, when people ask me, they always ask, like, you know, how how was the NFL? And I say, you know, it's everything you could ever imagine and less. And uh, <laughs> the less part comes from, obviously, you look at the guys like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and, you know, they're making trillions of dollars, you know. And then a guy like myself, who I was, I was cut and released and um, lived out of my suitcase in a couple different hotels on a couple teams because you don't ever know – if you're going to come in the next day and you're still going to have a job. And so every day that you walk into the locker room, it's really a blessing to look up above your locker and to still see your name there. It's uh, it's kind of that time right now with the NFL preseason winding down. You're seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter with cuts and everything. I mean, that that has to be a very stressful time for NFL players that aren't the Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady's of the world. 
Oh, you're absolutely right. And, and, and my heart goes out to uh, the guys who are kind of on the bubble. You know, there's there's 53 roster spots, and some of those guys are borderline. And so you, you, you really feel for those guys. Uh, for me, it was actually a really enjoyable experience looking back at it, though at the time it was it was a little uh, shaky and nerve-wracking. But for me, I didn't have a family, so it was just me. And uh, if I got cut, I knew that I was going to fly back to L.A. And, you know, hopefully, God willing, within a couple of days or a couple of weeks, I'd be on to the next adventure. Um, but I really feel for the guys who have families and, you know, they're rooted in a certain place and maybe their kids go to school or their wife has a job or wife has friends or they have friends. And then all of a sudden they get the phone call where it's, hey, come on in, bring your playbook. And the coach wants to see you, which is kind of short for uh, you're going to be released and cut. So uh, it is that time of year, and hopefully all of our USC guys are safe there on the rosters that they're uh, currently competing for. I mean, you're a sharp guy, obviously, and you have a lot of different things you could fall back on. I mean, it was great that you could play football, but it didn't seem like that was something that defined you. But I wanted to talk about your USC career a little bit before we kind of get into what you're doing now. But you came in that recruiting class that had Reggie Bush and Lindell White, which is kind of crazy. I mean, that, that, that was a great recruiting class. And you mentioned the, some of the linebackers that were playing at USC. I mean, it had to be the greatest stretch of USC linebacker play that we've seen in quite a while just during your career there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you talk about those players, the Clay Matthews, Michael Morgan, Malcolm Smith. Now I'm obviously talking about the younger guys. Um, and then you got the Lofas and the Oscar Lewis, the Dallas Sarts, the Keats, the Rays, the uh, Kalukas. I mean, all of those guys. I think the common denominator, though, Ryan, uh, has to be our linebacker coach, Ken Norton Jr. And even though we got the praise as players where it was two or three years in a row where we had the best linebacker core in the country, uh, he was really the, the the spark plug, so to speak, with all of us, where he, he was able to take his learning experience, his playing experience, and now as a coach being able to utilize us and being able to teach us how to see around the corners and just really being able to master this game, how to watch film, how to practice, how to take care of your body, how to eat, how to conduct yourself outside of the practice facility, the meeting rooms, and outside of the football bubble. And so those guys and myself have to pay just major respects and so much gratitude to Ken Norton Jr. because he really gave us everything that he had. And as you can see, he's been rewarded for it. Now the defensive coordinator of the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. And he, uh, I mean, he started off as a graduate assistant. It wasn't like he was some veteran seasoned coach. Uh, he really was kind of learning on the job at USC. And you know, you all, you don't always see former players that turn into great coaches. I mean, it certainly happens, but it doesn't necessarily mean because you were great on the field that you can coach, you know, you're a great coach, but it seems like it worked for him. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not something that's automatic that he, I mean, I think still to this day, he's the only football, professional football player that won three Super Bowls in a row, two with Dallas and one with the 49ers, three consecutive years. And, you know, numerous Pro Bowls. I mean, just all pro was had a phenomenal career. But what I really, when I watched him, he was such a student of the coaching game where he would constantly be taking notes, constantly asking us, getting our feedback of, hey, this is what we're trying to get the, the, the defense to accomplish here. Can it be done? And uh, he wasn't a dictator. He was, he was somebody who really depend on 
and relied on our feedback inside of the game. So he, I mean, just a phenomenal coach. Um, and so that, that paid dividends uh, for our success as a group and then as a team as well. The, uh, the, you were talking about the NFL stuff and kind of bouncing around a little bit, but uh, I think in, towards the end, Tampa Bay, I mean, you, you'd actually had like a, a multi-year deal. I think it was a two-year deal. Uh, but then you kind of, there was the injury. Is that kind of what kind of derailed that? It seemed like it was like a, the opportunity was getting a little bit better for you in the NFL later on in your career. Oh, it was just about to take off. I mean, I was getting ready to jump on my horse and ride off into the sunset <laughs> until that thing happened. But, um, the, the story, this is how the story went in 2011. Uh, I was with my second year with the Carolina Panthers and our ninth game, I believe it was, we were playing the Minnesota Vikings. And at the end of the first quarter, I had four tackles, had a tackle for loss on Adrian Peterson. I mean, this was great, right? If you go four times four, I'm going to have 16 tackles. I mean, it was going to be my breakout party. So the first play of the second quarter, I had went in to make a tackle in my cornerback. Him and I collided. My head was down. He hit my head. My head felt like it exploded, and I just laid there lifelessly on the football field and wasn't able to move for about a minute, minute and a half. And finally, when I kind of started to get sensation back in my hands and my feet, uh, the trainers helped me off the field, and I was placed on injured reserve. So 2011 season for me was over. I wanted to come back. Uh, Carol, that was the end of my deal, uh, my rookie deal. And Carolina did not resign me. And I didn't really want to pay attention to the writing on the wall. And the writing on the wall was saying, Thomas, you're done. Like your neck is, is extremely, um, it's sensitive to this happening again. And so I saw Dr. Watkins and all these other spine specialists who really encouraged me to not play. Um, but I was hard headed and, and I mean, there was the, the addiction to the game of football. And I tried to come back in 2012. Uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, went out to the first day of practice. And as you know, with the new collective bargaining agreement, you can't have shoulder pads, you can't hit for, you know, three days or whatever it is. And I hit a pad and the same exact feeling sensation went all the way down my body, which told me that my, my neck, uh, my spine had not healed from the incident that took place in Carolina. So, um, after practice, I called my agent, I called my mom and I said, I think I'm done and, um, talked to the doctors there in Tampa Bay. And, um, yeah, that was it. And then I flew back to California the next day and for five hours I sat there and I wrote kind of what was this experience like and what do I want to do next? Probably like every other person who's facing a major transit transition, trying to figure out, okay, what's next, the fear all that anxiety and what it came down to, Ryan, is that I wanted to encourage every single person that I come into contact and help them experience what I felt on draft day. And that was achieving an almost nearly impossible milestone for their own personal life. And that's how I got into becoming a motivational speaker and an author and then also uh, the director of my player development program. Uh, which is for student athletes to understand how to utilize their status as current student athletes so that they're prepared for the transition long before it ever happens. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, like you said, you were, you're well suited to kind of have life after football. Not everyone is in that same boat and you just seem to jump right into it. Like you're talking about with the, the book is called permission to dream. 
you're a motivational speaker and you want to talk, maybe talk about that stuff, how you kind of got into it and, um, you know, what, what you get out of it. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's a great question. So for me, I'd never heard a motivational speaker a day in my life. I had heard motivational quotes, but I didn't know like the term motivational speaker or motivational quotes was something that was real. I just thought it was kind of like, you know, some hunky dory stuff. <laughs> and so when I got finished, so I finished uh, July 28th was my last day on the football field and I came home uh, to LA. I received a Facebook message from somebody who had saw some speaking engagement that I had in June of that same year out in Orange County at the Hall of Fame speaking to a group of high school student athletes. And they said, wow, we would love to have you out at Fort Seal to speak to our soldiers to hear your message to help them transition outside of the military. And so I was thinking, well, sure, I guess I don't have anything else to do, so I might as well. (laughs) So that engagement came September 6th. There was another one a week after, another one a week after, and then all of a sudden there was just like this buzz about me doing this and, and taking my platform as an athlete and now using it to inspire others to, to dream, to, to accomplish those dreams. And, uh, before I ever did my first public speaking engagement, I got connected with, uh, my marketing team, uh, which I have now, Kelly and Scott, and they live in Orange County. And, um, since I've met them, they've just catapulted my career to the next level. What, what's it? What's kind of a day in the life of uh, Thomas Williams now? Like, I mean, you, oh man, what, what are you kind of it doing? depends. It depends what day it is. So, for example, uh, today. Uh, so, I started uh, with Fox Sports West Prep Zone last week, calling the high school football games around Southern California. And last week, we called a phenomenal game. It was Notre Dame versus Oaks Christian. Comes down to the end of the game where Michael Pittman jumps over the defender, catches the ball to win the game. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. I'm, I'm so excited for Michael Pittman and USC for, for next year. Um, so I started that last week and now, for example, this morning I woke up, I wake up anywhere between 5.15 and 5.45, depending on how much sleep I got the night before. Um, and then I'll start to do research on those teams. And so I've had conference calls with both head coaches this morning getting a feel for for their team, their philosophy, what they did well last week, what they want to improve moving forward. Uh, and then I'm also working on my second book. So oh. um, my second book, I, I, I dedicate about three days a week to working on that. And so just the, the preparation that goes into that. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my life now. And I'm also going back to school to get my coactive coaching uh, certification and uh, that that's kind of all in the in the mixture. So the day wow. in the life of of <laughs> Thomas is 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 fun. <laughs> so you want to do? I mean, the broadcasting thing is that something you're interested in, or is it coaching oh, yeah. or both? Or yeah, I mean, I think it 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 all comes down to my values and and where I I didn't do as good of a job at the beginning, probably, as identifying my values and what is it that I want to accomplish, what is it that I want to do, and as long as as it aligns in what my ultimate goals are, then I want to be a part of it. So with the public speaking, like I said, wanting to inspire and encourage everyone who has a dream deep down inside of them, help them dig that up and show them that they can do it. Um, the player development program, that's extremely important to me because for about eight months, 
I wasn't clear on what the next phase uh, or chapter in my life was going to look like so I can identify with the student athletes and then also professional athletes transitioning. Uh, with the sports broadcasting, that's, that's my way to give back to the game. So I've, I've acquired all of this knowledge and this information about this phenomenal game and being able to share it from uh, the booth on top of the football field is something that, that I really enjoy. And being able to also show athletes, look, we don't have to stop living a phenomenal life when we're done playing. We can, this thing can get better as we go on. I, I sit here and it's been three years since I played football and it seems like it's been 10 years. I've had so much fun in the last three years of experiencing life because from the time I was born to the time I was 27, I kind of had a, a certain structure to my life, whether I was in school and growing up with my mom or whether I was in football in college and then having the structured schedule there. And now I'm able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Wow, it's pretty amazing. All the different, all the irons in the fire. You got a lot of different things going on. Yeah. Um, but I, I, but you know, Ryan here at the end of the day, it's sharing the, sharing how possible impossibilities are. That's at the end of the day, getting back to, that's to the core of my philosophy. I feel, I believe that. Anyone, anywhere, at any time can become anything they want to be. And so if that's going to be my message, then I better be living that message too. The um, the broadcast side and the coaching side, I think we've seen kind of people go back and forth. Is there yeah. one one you would rather do if you if it became like a full-time, you became like the next Ken Norton Jr. you know, as a coach or want to be the next, you know, Brett Musburger or whatever as a broadcaster? Is there one direction you'd like to go? Oh, that's a great question. I think for me right now in my life at 30 years old, um, I, I don't want to get into coaching right now. I, I love, um, coaching and helping young men become greater men. Um, but as far as like being a coach, uh, that's, that's not really in my, in my blood right now. I love, I love all of the different avenues that I have in front of me. Um, and it's it it's it's fulfilling, and it's it's really awesome to have this feeling right now because uh, for so long I didn't I didn't know if I'd ever find another joyful aspect of my life. There's a I guess there's a little bit of a side note, but people love uh, our fans love recruiting people that listen to the podcast. And since you were you called the game with Michael Pittman, who was a UCLA commit and is now a USC commit, uh, really recruited as a, a wide receiver, and he had a couple touchdown catches, I believe, in the last two minutes of the game, or something like that. Yep. Did you see him play on defense too, or what? What overall? What did? What impressed you about him, or what did he look like? Here's the thing: Michael Pittman is a guy who can play the whole entire game, and I didn't know much about him other than just what I read on the internet. But until I had an opportunity to see him in person, Michael Pittman can come in and play receiver day one. He can come in and play strong safety day one. He can also do things on special teams like returning kicks or returning punts. Now I know we have a Dory Jackson who's phenomenal and is, 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 is an elite player. Um, so I'm not saying that Michael Pittman's going to come in and take a Dory's spot. I'm saying what he's capable of doing. And he, he plays the game with such a tenacity that you have got to respect him. I mean, if you think about his bloodlines, you remember his father, who was the running back who played for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, and his dad just played the game the way it's supposed to be played, which is tough, 
physical and relentless. And I don't think the apple fell too far from the tree there <laughs> with his son. So uh, USC should be extremely excited about this young man. And I don't know, you know, what is the talks? Is it is it a good call? Does everybody like the call? Does they don't like it? But you will be extremely surprised um, and happy that that we signed him. The uh, I guess a good transition. I wanted to get your thoughts on this current team. You know, you talked about the linebackers you played with. Yeah, Phil still actually picked USC to have the best linebacking group in the country. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that, but they brought in four really top guys, true freshmen. All of them looked good so far. In fall camp, I know you've been out to practice, you know, at least once or twice. Yeah. Um, maybe get your thoughts on the linebackers and the team as a whole. What you see this year? Yeah, and you know what, I'm 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 very high on this group. Um, obviously, you, you lose a guy like Hayes who goes to the NFL in the draft, um, and his leadership. You know, the the type of examples that he sets in the locker room and the standard that he set uh, for the four years that he was there uh, will be missed. Um, I think that he did such a great job teaching the younger players how to be, uh, quote unquote, professionals, if you will, um, how to approach every single day, how to do meetings, how to conduct yourself on the field. Uh, you practice like you play, uh, that whole message because, I mean, Sua Cravens, obviously, who needs no introduction, Anthony Serraro, who is a team captain for this year, and then, like you said, the freshman Cameron, um, Cameron Smith, yeah. Yeah, Cameron Smith. I Who, mean, uh, Dallas Sartre's actually coached him in high school. I don't know if you yeah, know. Yeah, up at Granite Bay, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's going to be a great, uh, trio in, in, in there. And then also you can't forget about Scott Felix, who plays the rush end. So I'm high on this group. I think that, um, they're, they've been coached very well and that they're going to be, uh, a huge part of this football team. Obviously, we know that linebackers are the quarterbacks of the defense. And I think that as much as they go or as fast as they go, the entire unit on the defensive side is going to be able to play up to that level. Um, as, as, as much as they want to dictate the speed and the phase which they want to play at. The, uh, the front's a little different than when, you know, you guys played more of traditional 4-3. Um, this one's more of a three, four, come some kind of hybrid of it. Does it look right. a lot different to you or how, like, what's the differences you see? No, I don't think it looks different. I think on paper, if you had to put it into some type of family, you would put it into that three, four hybrid type. But if you remember, uh, when Brian Cushing and Clay Matthews both played on the outside, that's the kind of defense this is. You're not going to have a true Sam and a will and then a, a defensive end on the opposite side of the Sam. You're going to have two players who are very similar. And so you have Sua who comes down and he plays almost like a Sam linebacker. And then you have Scott Felix. But Scott, the, the great thing about Scott Felix is that he's able to drop in coverage. He can, he can rush the passer. He can play the run from that position and he can also drop into, drop into coverage. So coach Wilcox and his defense. They're going to be able to do so many different variations of things that sometimes it might look like a 5-2. Sometimes it might look like a 4-3. So um, that's the the another one of the wonderful things that you can do with such a versatile player like Sua Cravens. The uh, sanctions are over. The depth looks a lot better. Uh, there's just, I mean, they released a depth chart this week, and there's there's not like walk-ons. No offense to walk-ons, but there, you know, there were there were a lot of those guys in the on the two deep. You don't see that anymore. Uh, I'm surprised it wasn't more freshmen kind of on the depth chart, but it's, it's definitely a lot deeper looking team. Are you pretty optimistic about the chances for USC this year? Yeah, absolutely. And 
not only just with the depth chart and then obviously getting the scholarships back. I mean, practice, as you know, practice has been high intensity. You know, there's been more contact. It's been more physical. The, the, uh, the morale of the team is up. I mean, because they're, they're able to get the juices flowing out there on practice. And it reminds you of, you know, days of the past where it was just all about competition on the football field or on the practice field. So now that everybody had, we're getting that back. Um, there's a lot more depth to the depth chart. Um, you know, we're, we're too deep and you don't have to call practices early because you don't want to get anybody hurt. Guys can come out and get a, get a rest. Uh, if you recall last year, I mean, these, these big guys up front on the defensive line, they, they had to stay in the game yeah. the whole time because, you know, they were so low of numbers at that position. And so this year, I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be a better year because now you can get a guy like Antoine Woods out of the game and give him four or five plays and not worry about a big drop off. You, you can get, um, you know, the offensive linemen, they can rotate. There's, you know, there's a guy who can go, you know, three or four positions on the offensive line to give somebody a breather. So this year I'm extremely excited, especially with these first two games playing Arkansas State and then Idaho, um, because it still kind of gives us some more time to find out, okay, which combination of players are going to work well? What's, you know, the uh, continuity across the board? Do we need to switch up this side of the ball, this side of the ball? So those two games and those two contests are going to tell us a lot. And also Sark does such a great job on evaluating and self-awareness that he's going to be able to make the proper adjustments. Him and, and the other assistant coaches, they're going to make the proper adjustments uh, right now and immediately, they're not going to wait for you know another week. They're they're going to continue to to build and to grow uh, and find the the, the right mixture group. The uh, Steve Sarkeesian, one last thing for you. Steve Sarkeesian talked about um, this weekend. You know, letting Clay Halt Clay Helton, the offensive coordinator, call a majority of the plays. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. It's kind of kind of big news around USC that they've had the head coach calling plays for quite a while now. Yeah, you know, I think that that's starting to become more of a um, of a normal deal. If you look at, uh, I think the Green Bay Packers. I think uh, Mike McCarthy did the same thing. He's he's kind of stepped away from making the play calls, and he's designated an offensive coordinator. And I don't know his name. Um, and I think Coach Sarkeesian being able to do that and delegate, uh, and and then. Um, being able to, to focus on being a head coach and then letting an offensive coordinator be an offensive coordinator is, is so great. So, um, that's what great teams do. They have, they have, uh, people who do things really well and they allow that to happen. I think where teams, organizations, companies run into problems is when you get one person trying to do everything. Um, coach Ron Rivera's had a great comment. My second year in Carolina, when he first got there, he said, on each play, we're looking for 11 guys to make one play, not one guy to make 11 plays. And so do what you do and do it really well. He is Thomas Williams, uh, former USC Trojan football player, former NFL football player. He's an author. Permission to Dream is the book. And motivational speaker, you can follow him on Twitter at T underscore Williams 56, or you can go to his website, Thomas R. Williams dot com a really interesting guy that's been fun following his career from recruiting through usc and the nfl and i'm so glad you'd be able to come on the podcast now thomas thanks so much for joining us 
Ryan, thank you so much for having me. Fight on and let's get let's get back on the uh on the train and let's just keep on winning. Let's make this get the collie rocking and have a lot of fun doing it. Tell, yeah, maybe you should go out and uh, speak to the guys before the first game. I think you get them fired up. I don't know about that. I don't know if I got that in my in my tank anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, Thomas Williams, thanks so much. And everyone else, thanks for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.